0: So, last night, Ajahn Santachita was speaking a bit about the life of the Buddha, the, the <coughs> early part of his life, and growing up as a prince, in a, a wonderful where well, in fact he had three palaces, one for each season <coughs> in Nepal, three seasons, so he could have the best of each season. Cool in the summer, warm in the cool season, and dry in the, in the rainy season. <laughs> And uh, was surrounded by beautiful clothes, beautiful minstrels and entertainers, and wonderful food, comfortable bed, you know, very everything that one could wish for in terms of physical comfort and pleasure. He experienced as a boy, as a young man, and he was married and had a child who he, and he left his, his wife and child. When, she, when the when his son was just a little baby he left having seen as Ajahn should was talking about having seen the the fact aging sickness and death that that this is something that we all that is is part, is part of our, our being born this is this is part of life so having really seen that and then having seen the sign of a renunciant he had this uh, Calling to leave his comfortable, beautiful life, and to seek a deeper happiness. So, in, in some ways, I feel like this is a little bit analogous to this time that we live in. You know, we got to, you know, we can we can fly around the world in on aeroplanes. We can travel long distances in comfortable cars. We can uh, you know get out our iPhone and and uh, Watch movies or iPad, if you've got an iPad, watch movies and do all kinds of stuff. You know, just right there in your bag, it's all there. The whole world of entertainment is right with us. We can do you know, we can be distracted in so many ways and entertained in so many ways. And yet, when you look at our society, you see that people are more and more lost in a way, more and more um, distanced from their true nature. So we live, in a way, we're we're living like the the Buddha, the the Bodhisattva did when he was a prince, in some ways. Might not be quite like it. But, you know, we're leaning in that direction compared to many people in the world who are struggling to have enough to eat and clean water, let alone a comfortable bed. Don't even think about that, most people. Many people in the world. So we have this kind of rather, um, in some ways quite luxurious way of living. We've become, which has become the normal standard you know, If you don't have an iPhone Then you, you know there's something wrong with you <laughs> And when we moved into our vihara And we, we, there was all of this It was, a, it was a, a family's house So there was in one room a big double bed And then the other rooms had large beds for the kids And you know, we were looking around and saying Where are we going to put all this furniture We've got to get rid of these beds <laughs> So most for most people it 's just a very normal thing to have a high and comfortable bed and for us it 's like it 's a bit of a hindrance, something we want to get rid of, <laughs> get in, into the garage so we can sleep on something more basic <clears throat> so we 've you know become used to this, as as uh, western people we've become used to well, people living in the west western world we 've become used to quite a high standard of living, and yet we still find. Our hearts are not deeply nourished by this, by these worldly pleasures and gains. And we can distract ourselves for a while. Certainly there's gratification in the sense world. If there wasn't gratification, people wouldn't be following after it. But there is for a little while until, until it passes and, then, and that wanting is, is there again in the heart. And we look for the next thing to fulfill ourselves on it goes so the the Buddha he says he he experienced the the, the highest the most wonderful pleasures in in the in the kind of what we call the lower sense realm in the ordinary sense realm and he left that because he could see well this isn't really going to give me the happiness I'm looking for and he left and he sought out teachers who could teach him to find a deeper happiness inside in his heart and he found these two jhana masters, a so are high, high meditation practitioners. So he trained with the first one until a point that he actually surpassed his teacher. He was actually more accomplished in the meditation than his teacher. And his teacher wanted him to join him. You know, please come and you can be the teacher now. You can have my students and uh, come and, come and let's, let's work together. And the Buddha said, well, no, because I haven't found... The deep happiness I'm looking for. So he went on to the next teacher, who who was a, a little bit more accomplished in the jhanas, in the fine material absorptions of meditation. And he practiced with him until a point where he was equal to his teacher. And his teacher said, "Well, you've you know you've gone as far as it's possible to go. So together, you know, we are both the highest, most accomplished in this practice. So together, let's." let's teach together, let's lead our students together you know, we can share this and the Buddha said, no, because I haven't found it yet I haven't found what I'm looking for yet I haven't found this highest happiness yet so he left that and became an ascetic so he experienced as a a prince he experienced the highest kind of in the ordinary sense realms and then in his fine subtle practice, meditation practice, he experienced the highest sense pleasures in the subtle sphere. So the, 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 um, the pleasures of meditation, they also come under the umbrella of sense pleasure. They're wholesome pleasure, but it's still within the sense world. So he experienced the, the most, the highest that is possible within that sphere, that sense sphere. And then he became an ascetic, and he practiced very, very austere asceticism for a number of years with, with five other ascetics. And uh, you know, they say that he got to the point where his he was so emaciated he would eat one g- grain of rice a day and and do all of these austere practices. And his skin and he would sit out in the sun, and his skin became so dark that, that he, he he looked like he was kind of burnt and shriveled up, and he looked like an old man even though he was still actually quite a, a young man and he, they say when he, he was so thin that when he touched his stomach he could feel his backbone he was that skinny <laughs> so he was very very extreme in his practice and experienced very very extreme pain physical pain through this practice in the belief that through experiencing extreme physical pain one could burn up one's karma and become enlightened so it was a quest for enlightenment and once he got to a point where he was almost dying he was trying to meditate and he he couldn't concentrate his head all started to fall out and he was so thin and emaciated and and worn out and he realised gosh you know I can't even get a a basic kind of collectedness of mind this this can't be the way so uh, a young girl, Sujata, came to the forest to apparently, they said, to offer this milk rice to the, to the spirits of the forest. And the family had made this rather wonderful offering of this very creamy, delicious milk rice, and sent their daughter out to offer it to the, the forest spirits. As the kind of things that people do believe in, and in, uh, in many countries. So off she went, and then she found the the set looking rather frightening, sitting under this tree, trying to meditate. And she offered, thinking he must be a tree spirit or something, she offered him this wonderful rice. And he took the rice and he ate it, and he felt immediately a sense of well-being. And some clarity could come back to his mind again. And, and he recognized, well, you know, it's actually... This is the way... These are the two extremes, the way of sense pleasure and the way of self-mortification. These are the two extremes, and the the path has to be between these two extremes. So, like I said, so the teacher was saying, it's like flowing down a river. If you if you if you hold on to one bank, you're just holding on to the bank of the river. You're not going anywhere. All the all the water's rushing past you. If you hold on to the other bank, you're, you're just stuck on that bank of the river, and you need to let go of both, let go of the two extremes, and just let that river take you to the great ocean. And so he had this insight. And he says, he declares that, you know, any any, um, pleasure that you may experience in your life, he's saying this kind of basically to everyone, to all of us, any pleasure you might experience in your life, it could be equal to what the Buddha has experienced. But it can't be greater than. And any pain that we might experience in our life, or physical or emotional, mental pain, that we might experience in our life, it might be equal to what the Buddha experienced but it won't be greater then So, you know, he's saying he's, he's experienced the whole spectrum from the most wonderful to the most terrible and has known it and survived it and has recognized that you know, neither of these are the way Attaching to either of these is not the way and the way to freedom and liberation is through Letting go of this attachment. So we all experience in our life, in a in a day, in a in a meditation sitting, we all experience pleasure and pain. We have, you know, we might be sitting and having a really peaceful, beautiful meditation. The body is relaxed, the mind is settled. It's very pleasant. Or we might be struggling, you know. We, could be, we maybe come here with, um, you know, pain in our hearts. We may be grieving or, or exhausted from the holiday season, you know. So we come, we bring these things with us. And we may find we're sitting with a grieving heart or with a, with a tumultuous mind or with a painful body that's aging or sick so i found you know, it's very helpful just to just to recognize well this is this is part of existence you know this is part of the deal of being a human being there is pleasure there is pain there is joy there is suffering <clears throat> and when we attach to it we add suffering to what is already there so pain in itself is is simply a sensation it's an indication it's a, it's a feeling and when we meet it in that place it, is, it becomes our teacher but if we add on to it oh no there's something wrong it's really terrible it shouldn't be happening I'm going to be crippled for the rest of my life if I don't move and all of those things our minds can do we add suffering onto the, the direct experience of feeling and likewise with, with lovely experiences, you know, we, we hold on to them and we want to be like this forever. We want to be always blissfully happy, always feel have a comfortable feeling in the body. Always feel connected and whole in every moment. And then we attach to that, and then you know, inevitably that's going to change, unless we're fully enlightened. And then we experience suffering, we experience the loss of what we love. So, you know, one of the ways to meet this, it's kind of an end, you know, It's an ongoing process, because all the time these different feelings are arising and ceasing in our experience, whether it's mental or physical, or emotional. And you know, one of the ways to meet this is through knowing feeling as feeling. So, I don't know about you, but I, I used to experience so many nuances of feeling. And, you know, it's often meditators can be quite, quite sensitive, you know, sometimes quite psychic, have, have be very open, or have a, a, a sense of strong sensitivity to the body through, through the mindfulness practice, we become more aware. The numb places become more, more, more felt through our practice and as human beings, you know, we are very sensitive we're sensitive beings, we're a bit like a little bit like radios, you know, we pick up all of these things that are transmitted and it's a, it's a, it's a sensitive experience being human this is how it is so it can be very helpful just to, to bring to mind the, the simple categories of feeling So yesterday we spoke a bit about the body and coming into the body, connecting with the physical body, which is the first foundation of mindfulness. And the second foundation of mindfulness is feeling. (coughs) So the Buddha, in in different places in the suttas, he, he categorizes feeling. It's always in a very, very simple way. So he either categorizes it as two kinds of feeling, as three kinds of feeling, or as five kinds of feeling. So there's two kinds, he says there is pleasant feeling and unpleasant feeling, which is a little bit scanty. And then what we normally, or more frequently hear is there are three kinds of feeling. So there is painful feeling, or, and there is pleasant feeling, and there is that which is neither painful nor pleasant. So the kind of not really experiencing anything much kind of a feeling. And he also sometimes divides the, the pleasant and and painful or unpleasant into physical and mental. So you have sukha and dukkha. So sukha is pleasant feeling. dukkha is unpleasant feeling. Adukha asukha means neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So it's not, it doesn't actually say upeka, It's adukha asukha, not pleasant, not unpleasant. And... Um, and then there's domanasa and somanasa. So domanasa is, is painful mental feeling. So it might be worry or depression or anger or... Um, whatever, I'm sure you've got a, your own <laughs> versions. And somanasa, pleasant mental feeling. So it might be just a, a basic sense of joy and goodwill. Or it could also be a subtle, pleasant feeling that arises in the meditation. Refined, subtle pleasures of meditation. So this is solmanasa. So, you know, one thing we can do is, rather than become these feelings, which is what we tend to do when we don't think clearly, when we're not actually following the Eightfold Path, and we begin our, you know, we begin our relationship to experience by. Attaching and identifying If we do that We become all of these feelings We become the pleasant feelings We become the painful feelings We become the numbness That we can't really quite get a handle on And when we become it Then, you know Eventually it will lead to suffering So if it's a painful feeling It will immediately lead to suffering If it's a pleasant feeling At some point we're going to have to let it go It's going to leave us And then there's the suffering of having to be separated from what is lovely. So we do actually have the choice. There is an option of whether to attach or not attach to this feeling. So we can't make the feeling go away. It's not about trying to make the feeling go away. It's not about trying to become a numb person or an unfeeling person. So I don't know, for myself, when I first started to practice I was very, very sensitive, so I would feel, you know, it was almost as painful to experience pleasant feeling as it was to feel, experience unpleasant feeling because it was all so intense. <laughs> and, you know, there was this quite deluded wish to not feel. I, I want to not have to feel any of this, because I feel that pleasant thing, and I'm just lost in that, and I feel that like painful I'm just lost in that. And so there's this kind of yearning towards just sort of not feeling and even had a, the idea that an enlightened being would be just kind of not really feeling anything much, you know, just being, not really feeling anything, and everything would just be nice and easy. But as I continue the practice, I, I realise that it's not about not feeling, it's about being with, being present with whatever arises, and letting go. So again and again, each moment, each breath is about receiving and letting go of this experience that we have at this moment. And you know, when we do this, it can, there can be a certain fear of letting go. You know, we wonder who are we going to be if we, don't, you know, if we don't become that feeling, if we don't, if we don't identify with that feeling. Who are we then? We just uh, what is what is there if we're not actually attaching? And this is something to be investigated. I'm not uh, offering you the answer. This is something to be investigated in the practice. Who are, who am I if I'm not this feeling at this moment? So Sister Saint Saint was speaking about the you know, the body being a uh, a process. <clears throat> and although I've heard that many times before, actually, when she said it, it, it kind of really struck a chord. And I found, a little while afterwards, I found this kind of dissolving experience. Because we, we think ourselves into being something solid and real. And on one level, we are. On one level, we are sentient beings. We are sentient beings. And this is why the Buddha gives the precepts. You know, a way of, as a sentient being, to live in a skillful way. And there's, there, are, there are a number of um, different pointers in the suttas as to how to live in a skillful way, how to bela- behave, relate, how to take care of one's responsibilities. You know, he wasn't in any way denying our sentience. But also, you know, when we look really closely, we find that we are thinking ourselves into existence and when we come back to the, to the, really subtly back to the present moment what we find is an ever-changing experience ever-changing every feeling, every sensation, every thought is, is moving and changing all the time and even, the, you know, the, like the breath like, practicing meditation on the breath you know, we know that without the breath, we, our life is maybe a matter of minutes, at the most. If we, you know, with, without food, we can survive for quite a long time. Without water, we can survive for some time, some days. But without breath, it's, it's a matter of minutes. You know, breath is, is vital. It's our life force. And yet, what is the breath, when we really look at the breath, is it's ever-changing. It's when we, you know, if we try to capture the breath or hold the breath then it's no longer doing what it needs to do. It's no longer bringing us life, energy. It's only through its constant change and movement that it is. That it becomes breath, that it is breath. It's it's through that constant movement. And likewise with our bodies. And if our heart isn't beating, if our heart stops, the body dies. It's because of the constant movement of the heart. of the blood around the the body it's because of the constant change that there is this experience of life so it's kind of a paradox in a way, isn't it? we have this life because of constant change and when we look carefully we can be that constant change And, and start to really notice the places where we hold on and block Attach and protect, defend. So I, I rather like that image that Ajahn Santichitta gave of the river because uh, the, the Buddha also speaks about the, the first stage of enlightenment as, as being entering the stream. It's called entering the stream. So it's like before. We we experience that first stage of enlightenment where we're holding on, you know. We haven't kind of, we haven't dived in yet. We're we're attaching to this. We're attaching to that. We're we're becoming this, becoming that. Believing in this, believing in that. And you know, it's it's, it's a painful existence. It's painful to always be somebody and to have to create ourselves as somebody. So what he's pointed to is is actually letting go. Letting go and letting the stream take us in the right direction, the stream of Dhamma. And the, the path begins with understanding impermanence, with understanding the changing nature of things. So we don't have to go anywhere to, f- to see this. We don't have to, even though it can be very helpful to read the suttas, uh, and, the, and now we have many wonderful, not many, but some wonderful translations of the suttas. So it is, one, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be able to dive in and look into the, the Buddha's teachings directly. But uh, you know, the Buddha also says, everything we need to know for our enlightenment is right here, in this body and mind, it's right here. So we just need to look in the right way, in the right place and turn our attention back to this experience This body, the one that you've got as it is, this perfectly imperfect body and the feeling, the feelings that arise So for me when I first heard this teaching about the feeling it was such an immense relief because the feeling realm was so complex for me so many subtleties, nuances it was very complicated and uh, just to be able to see oh you can just categorise things into these three categories or five if you want to just incredibly simplifies life so for example if you've got some story going on in your mind, of something that happened, somebody, somebody did something to you and it was really wrong and they really shouldn't have done that and and you're go, it's going on and it's going on in your mind, you're sitting here and on and on it's going that story and it really sh- it's wrong and it shouldn't have and we've got to do something about it you c- instead of following the story, you can say oh, this is domino, this is painful mental feeling so going on and on about the story isn't going to help it just keeps you caught And it might be that you need to address something And you can say, okay, that needs to be addressed When I get back from this retreat I'll make an appointment to see that person And we can have a conversation And then you can just put it down there and then You don't have to keep going on and on with the storylines And likewise with fantasy You know, you are be sitting on a retreat You've gone through all of this trouble to get here And make the time to come And then you spend the whole time fantasizing about something that happened Some lovely thing, some lovely person, some lovely holiday that you experience. You know, we could just be sitting in every meditation having these wonderful fantasies and not actually being here at all, (laughs) or hardly here. So, you know, if you catch yourself doing that, just say, Oh, this is Somanasa. This is a pleasant mental feeling. I'm bringing up this nice thing in my mind, and it's pleasant, but it's just that it's just that, you don't have to keep you don't have to become it you just know it for what it is and likewise with the body if you have pain in the body discomfort, it's, it's kind of normal you know <laughs> you come from your ordinary life and you now you're sitting still for long periods of time of course there's going to be discomfort it's normal so you can just know this is dukkha simply that it's this is kind of painful feeling or if you're experiencing pleasure in the morning cup of tea, first cup of tea in the morning, you can just know, oh, this is sukha. This is pleasant feeling. And you know it in the moment and you let it go. So, as I said before, it's not, it's not grasping and it's not pushing away. It's not saying, I shouldn't experience pleasant feeling, let me push that away. It's saying, this is pleasant feeling. Arising in the moment and passing. And you can know the gratification, you can know the change, and you can let it go. And with aduka Asuka feeling, so it's, it's not Upeka. Sometimes people think it's Upeka. Upeka means equanimity. But the Buddha doesn't speak about Upeka Vedana, he speaks about aduka Asuka Vedana. Which means ah means not in this context. A short a is, is not so not pleasant, not painful. Aduka asuka, and we can uh, mistake this for for a wholesome quality of, of upeka. Upeka is a wholesome quality, but actually it isn't. It's a it's a not paying attention. So I know that often when people start to do um, body sweeping, guided guided meditation if they're guided in meditation on the body, quite often people can't feel very much. We might be able to feel really strong things, but a lot of the experiences just kind of can't really feel anything much. And then you kind of get discouraged, you feel, oh, I can't do that body-sweeping meditation, you know, I just can't connect with it. But actually what that is, is not paying attention, that we haven't, we've, we've habitually not paid attention to the body. And then when we try to really pay attention in in detail, we can't find anything there much. Kind of a bit of a vague feeling of something or other, and a pain here and there. But not really being able to feel each part of the body, because we've habitually been living in our heads, in our thinking, and rather ignoring the physical body. So, you know, if, if when you're sitting... And you, and you find and you're looking into the body and you're looking well what feeling is present here and there maybe is a little dukkha maybe a bit of sukha, and then there's kind of a lot of adukha or then see this as a, an opportunity to come into contact more fully with your body and as you come into contact then more feeling will arise might take a bit of time but don't be put off because this uh, aduka asuka, not pleasant, not painful feeling, is a form of ignorance. It might feel kind of pleasantly, nothing much in particular, but it is a form of ignorance. It's ignoring, ignoring what is present. So, this path is a path of awakening, not a path of ignoring. And certainly, um, what, you know, as we practice, one of, the, one of the effects of the practice is to, is to become more sensitive. It's, yeah, we, we experience more, we become more sensitive through the practice. You know, it might be that we, we, you know, this isn't an incentive. You might think, oh, I'd rather, I don't want to have to feel anything because it is so painful being a, being a human being. It is a painful experience being separated from our loved ones, having to have contact with what we don't want to be with. You know, it's it's not a it's, it's kind of takes it's hard work being human in that sense. As long as we're attaching, but if we learn to receive life in this moment as it is, and let it pass through us, let it let it be. Then we are. Then we are fully present. Then we are fully awake. Then we are fully human. We're not dissociating, distracting, grasping hold of, pushing away. We're allowing life to live through us. And each of us, are, you know, we're each different, so it will it will live through each of us in a different way. I always think of we're like. We're like instruments. Like that. In my mind, I always see us. We're like instruments, and there are flutes, and there are cellos, and there are oboes, pianos. There's all kinds of things. Harps. There are all of these different instruments, and you know, when we allow life to live, th- be lived through us, then you know, we make this a, a particular music, particular to ourselves, to this character. We manifest in a particular way that's not quite the same as anybody else. And of course, you know, if we work together, then we can have a, an orchestra, or even a symphony orchestra. One person can, do, can, can bring something beautiful into the world, something good into the world. But many people working together you know, this can, do, they can, be, can do great good. So today we wanted to really focus on feeling and to learn to simplify our lives by bringing the mind into direct attention with what is happening in the moment and knowing it for what it is, receiving it as it is. Letting it go.